Welcome, I'm your host Gavin, this is That Critical Idiot. Welcome back everybody, this is Gavin here, and usually I would have something planned for today, and that's why this episode is titled story time campaign of mine now if you're here for uh stories and dm tips like i have been doing in the last couple episodes uh then this one is definitely not going to be the same this one is going to be me talking about a campaign that i'm currently building in gurps 4e now i would have something prepped and i would have had something planned but this week has been exhausting for me and leading up to tuesday tuesday which is today uh I think I wrote, like, one thing down for it. So, in lieu of not giving you guys anything, I figured I would sit down and talk to you about a campaign. Originally, it was going to be based on my uh, my Supernatural campaign that I have been working on for a good half a month, almost a month now. And in the recent kind of light, my party has, has I asked, because I was like, okay, I'm I'm at this point where I have it pretty much ready to go. We're doing this other one, though. I just want to know, is this what you guys want to do, or is there anything else? Because I also have ideas for space adventures. And they're both run in GURPS 4E, so I could run both, theoretically, at some point. But I just, I I didn't feel like I had as much uh, content and much storyline to put into the kind of supernatural, uh, more eldritch feel than the space one. And that's when uh, they go, well, we would actually really much prefer space than the Eldritch one, even though, you know, we know you've been working on it a lot. So it's like, okay, well, no biggie. So this morning I was like, all right, let's kind of put a little bit of thought towards the space stuff. So I started working together a little bit of a story, a little bit of a, you know, anything and everything that kind of worked together. Tried to find the GURPS, GURPS Ultratech stuff, tried to get all the, that stuff set up properly, and, you know, it, it worked out cr- kind of rather well. Everything seemed to enjoyably work. Uh, the GURPS, the GURPS system is actually one of my favorite systems that i found so far. We haven't actually gotten to try it, we haven't got to play it. I like the feel of you succeed if you roll low, and you do horrible if you roll high. I like that, it's a... It's a reassuring system feel. And with the with the system that it is, it has a lot more to offer because it's it it's I believe it stands for generic or generic universal role playing system, if I remember correctly. Uh, and essentially it's exactly what it is. It's this universal role playing system. So you can sit there and you can you can go i want to have a medieval medieval world okay you've got a medieval world throw the system on it it's good to go it has weapons it has it has tech levels it tells you how much money you're going to be getting how much you know what skills you can use what you can do with this what you can do with that and it has a very nice point buy-in system that i i've seen to i like that point buy system it's the first point buy system next to I guess Shadowrun, I did run one, I was a player in Shadowrun once or twice, and that was also uh, a very interesting set of 
set of point by system. I've never used a point by system in D&D or in uh, Pathfinders. I've used uh, role systems for that. Uh, I just find the role is more natural. You roll and you get this character. Much like the rest of the game. You roll and that's it's what's going to happen. You don't have as much control. You don't have as much control in the rolls and groups either, but you do have that control to put the the hits and stuff that you're trying to get. You, you have that chance, right? And that's kind of the big portion of it is just looking at all of the different things in GURPS. And I was like, there's plenty of ways we can go about this. We can do a 1970s supernatural theme with eldritch creatures. You could do a medieval theme with knights and goblins and stuff. You just got to work the stats. You do a fantasy space, like a high space mission type thing. Um, and in this one, I'm doing a very Shadowrun-y feel for the space mission. So what the, what's going to happen is, is that there are, there is four, let me just, let me bring something up here. Uh, see if my drive is good to go. Essentially, there are four kind of main factions of criminal syndicates that are, are there to kind of ensure they do what they need to do. They need to do... You know, say, oh, you guys need to go here, you guys need to go here. Do that, good to go. Now, it's a very shadow runny in which they'll have people who will go, hey, we need you to go do this. Or, hey, can you go do this for us? And they can get jobs, they can get paid, they can, they can get into that. They can take their own path if they want. And there will be little things like that throughout everything, which is something I really do uh, enjoy. Is having that having that option of, they can go, oh, uh, fuck this. Let's go. Let's go make our own crime syndicate, or let's jump into this other crime syndicate here, or let's help this crime syndicate find what they need. Let's betray this one. Let's do this. And the idea of the idea with the potential that they could absolutely build this huge crime syndicate by themselves work their way up, you know, avoiding death, building up this empire, and then go, all right, I'm done with that character, retire it, and then go, all right, let's start as good guys. Same universe, exact same state that it is in right now, go in as good guys, they go in as the good guys, and then they go and they realize, as the good guys, we need to deal with this crime syndicate we've now built up, because they're actually doing a lot of horrible stuff and that's when it escalates to that point of oh now we can go and fight our own selves and if it gets to that it'll be interesting to see how how everything gets handled but it, it'll be interesting and I've got a lot of different things a couple little little things that just add where it's like oh you know this person that you know is going to be here, this person that you may or may not know is here, you know, this political person's heirs are 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 a part of this crime syndicate or really kind of little little tidbits of information that tie to the real world. Uh in this one Mars is actually called Utopia. I've renamed a majority of them Earth is Cyprus. Uh, the planet rotation's a little bit different. There's a couple more planets. I just kind of added to the solar system. Um, and then, 
each little individual faction that I'm building. Right now I've got the Dax. The Dax are a four-armed kind of blue alien type thing. They're humanoid. They've got four arms. They don't really have a face. It's more of just like a lighter shade of blue like filled in they have like a the normal skin color like a dark blue over outlining this light shade of blue kind of blank facial structure and they don't really have a lot of hostility towards the humans and in the backstory the humans are actually kind of rescued from themselves as they they're the ones that have kind of sparked their their entry into this world of technology so they spark themselves into this world of technology and now they're sitting there going all right now 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 what do we do military takes over starts gunning everybody down big war happens people are fighting back and forth and now now we've got a little bit of conflict utopia has now become a wasteland they struggle through the years and then these aliens show up and go look we will help you we just want to study you we want to know you know what makes you guys tick and we want to you know become allies they become allies with them and they they kind of show them the rest of the universe and they help progress space travel and stuff and you get to the point where there's all these other alien races that have that are interjoined like conjoined and they're all moving through the solar system and they're helping each other and they trading and stuff and then you get some of the enemy faction kind of peoples you have the crime syndicates you've got all these underlining stories all in this wrapped up universe of chaos and whatever the hell you really want it to be and so i'm slowly writing it up and when i get it finished and written up all nice and i fine-tune it a little bit i'll post a a PDF of it so that people can go through it if they'd like but no it's uh it'll be interesting to see how it how it goes out I like the idea of the shadow run feel mainly because with a shadow run feel or anything like that and in some cases it does it's like it's okay to do it with um with D&D and Pathfinders I've done it before where I've run a group with like say someone is out sick or someone is unable to make it that day then you can't really with a pathfinder or a shadow run especially on a really big push people are going to level up people are going to do something it's going to it's going to boost their level but it's not going to boost the other person's level and in the gurps and the shadow run there's less level more just points based system so instead of that xp you're getting points and i mean points are going to put people on a little bit more of an edge but missing a, 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 a you know a, a run or missing a, a heist or a, you know some kind of gun shipment deal isn't gonna cost you an entire catch-up period where you're behind and now someone has to and now the gm has to go and sit there and go all right i can't make it too hard but i have to make it hard enough so that the people who are playing the like the higher level people who were actually there for that one game aren't going to sit there and go this is absolutely not what we signed up for you know we want that extra we want we want that extra challenge i you can't make it challenging if people are behind 
because then it's even extra challenging for them, and I don't like to make it extra challenging for people, because you make it extra challenging, and the interest of the game starts to starts to fade. If things aren't aren't, if you want it, in my in my own opinion, and in my kind of center point of how I do things, I try to make it, and I've crashed and failed a couple times in doing so. Is you take it where you make it challenging enough where they go all right i felt the challenge i lost some hit points you know this was a tough battle but it's okay you don't make it where they run in they slaughter everything and oh well that was it like no nothing big nothing nothing scary nothing nothing life-threatening i think i lost maybe two health points that's nothing you know throw five more of those at me please you, and you don't want to make it where, you know, they're like level 2 people and a dragon swoops down. Because who's going to be level 2 and going to be able to take on a dragon? you got to base it around what they can do. But with GURPS and everything, it's, it's different. Because they have they have a attack roll. They have a defense roll. They have, you know, guns. So that brings a whole new variable. I mean, we're looking at... A space space mission, and I've got the weapons up because I was I was doing a little bit of work before the podcast, and you got like so if you go say a gunner beam, so this is going to be something that you want to be mounted on a VTOL or an airship, like a land airship or even a spaceship of sorts. I'd say more of like a a, a land ship that like probably has space travel but like very limited it's not like one of the big ships that can like warp and stuff and we'll just say it's part of the military it's got a gatling laser so a gatling laser actually not as good as an area defense laser but we'll just go with a gatling laser for now they're attack level 10 if you don't know GURPS even I'm not too terribly um versed in it yet because I'm still slowly learning it tech level 10 is like right up there in the the future tech you're looking at a 6d so six dice of d6s times two and it burns them so and the accuracy of it is is 18 which is absolutely beautiful but i think you only get the accuracy bonus if you aim i'm still learning some of the attack moves and stuff you're looking at a sizable sizable setup where you can just have a gatling laser on something and i mean they might not have that much health most people are going to get ripped down by a Gatling laser. And that's another thing is it adds that everybody's expend like everybody everybody will die eventually. Something's going to happen, especially when you involve guns cuz guns have like a sword or a knife. It's more you're you're going to you're going to you you're going to somehow get out of it. Most swords and knives and stuff like that, they're not they're not OP, they're not they're not ridiculously damaging. But you get into laser weapons and you're doing like 6D times 2. So I know shotguns are only like, some shotguns can only be like 3D. So 6D plus 2. And that's, I mean, with even with an assault laser. So like an assault rifle laser. You're looking at 4D. You're still looking at a potential of 24 damage at max, right? 
So you're really looking at, at definitely that, that extra little buff in that whole, in the whole point of it. And so that's the whole point that I like as well, as I like that they know, they, they can't feel too comfortable no matter what. Something I really loved about Shadowrun is it's it's a high-danger society where you know if you're getting into danger, it's a 50-50 chance you're getting out of there alive. You're not going in planned to come out. You're going in there to do what you, want, you wanted to do. Getting out is just a bonus at this point. So getting out is just, you're sitting there, maybe I get out, maybe I don't. And with that, it's that very intricate feeling of, okay, so I don't get out, then I'm going to step it up. Uh, much like when I was playing Shadowrun with my buddy Avery, uh, we played as two characters, Victor and Boris. And Victor and Boris were two Russian uh, soldiers, and we came out, and we, we, we came out to Seattle, and we were helping out the White Lotus, and we had assassinated the Red Lotus's leader, and we moved on to helping them out, and they helped us get out of Russia, and they helped us move into Seattle, and we were working jobs for them. And it was near the end of our one campaign night that we had, like our one, our one game night. And it was Victor's, Victor's uh, landlord who had said, hey, I need you to deal with the Yakuza. And we're like, oh, oh, okay. He's like, well, I've got two Yakuza people up top. Can you, you know, deal with them, but not on the property? We're like, okay, well, no, sure, why not? And so Boris walks up and he's like, hey, you guys with the Yakuza. And they're like, "Uh, what? He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Come on down. Come on outside. I'll kill you out back. And they're like, "Uh, okay. So they follow him down and he goes to grab his gun and they start firing upon us in which i shot down one i think it was either i or him shot down the one yakuza guy and in fear the other yakuza guy pulled a grenade and tossed it in front of us at which point i looked to the to the dm and i go can i kick this grenade back at him i'm like i don't really have a lot of other options here i'm a, a giant mage troll so and i was a, a brand new to shadow run so magic was like very limited for me so i go to him i'm like can i kick it back at him probably my only chance of surviving this and he goes sure and i think i double critted or whatever it is like the super crit uh in which i I described to him the way I kicked it was I kicked it and he was in a fetal position far in a corner and uh, I kicked the grenade right into his body so all the fragmentation went into him and just splattered him all over the wall and I mean Boris doesn't own a house anymore because that kind of screwed that over but that was a very it was a giving moment for my character because my character at, at the time was was kind of sitting there going well I'm either going to die, or I can try to do something, and if I live, I live, or I die. One of the two happens. I'm more than likely still going to die, so I might as well at least try to take this guy out with me. And so, you know, it worked out in our favor. It could have worked out horribly. I could have failed, or I could have just done a measly kick, and I still could have taken damage. One of the two. 
either way, it just it it goes to show with these ones, you have a little bit more risk. I haven't seen a lot of risk in those kind of things because dying far down a shadow or a pathfinder or a D&D game is detrimental to the party, especially if you're a, a, a valid member, like if you're a if you're one of the main parts of the party and most of the most people who've played know that the whole party is essential. Everybody in the party is essential. Someone has to pull some kind of weight. You know, you've got your healer. He's there to keep everybody alive. He dies. And you got potions, but you don't have the the accessibility as much. You've got, you know, your your ranger. He's got the he's got he's got the ability to take people out from afar. He's got the ability to scout. He's got the ability to trap. Things like that. The rogue, he's got the ability to steal, pickpocket, get into places, you know, use some of his more tricks of the shadows to get around. You've got the tank, he's the one that absorbs damage, or like the fighter or something, right? He absorbs and deals damage. And all of those kind of conjoin. You've got the, the guy who protects you, the guy who heals you, the guy who keeps things at bay, finds things for you, hides in the shadows and strikes when it's time unlocks doors everything is so key and crucial and yet in this other one this world is more of a especially if you do more of a criminalistic based game you've got this world where you can hire someone to help you out so then you've got the npc hiring to deal with but you still have that extra hand or people can design characters to what they like they could go i want to be a hacker i you know we've been playing you know, say say we play for a while and, you know, maybe you need a hacker to get surveillance, get schematics, take out security systems, drop their augmentation, you know, things like that. Because in this one, I've got a couple key features, like, uh, that I'm going to add. So it's, like, augmentation of face, can- or face scans through contact lenses. So they'll have, like, a HUD, um... Not that they'll actually see it, but like their their character will have a HUD that'll allow them to check bullet stuff and just make the character kind of it's more like the sci-fi bullshit. But you got also police have or police and like kind of enforcers have face scans. They've got all these other little things so they can you know say a known criminal walks up to a cred deposit station, mid floating in the middle of the sky or like in the middle of space. Which I've got set up. So it's a cred, st- cred sticks based off of uh, Shadowrun. So they have pretty much like a USB drive. Which essentially holds money. It's all digital currency. They don't have anything else. So they have cred sticks. And so they've got this big cred stick kind of depository. Where all the money gets pumped into. And then transferred between wherever they need to go. But they have it in space. Because it's easier for big transport trucks like not big transport trucks but big transport ships to fly in pick up as much of the money as they possibly can and move out with having a decent amount of the military or government based men or police based men in the vehicle they can have mounted gatling lasers they can have all this other cool stuff so then maybe after a big deposit goes into one of the satellite stations to keep it secure They've got like four or five guards on. Guard rotations, you know, a little slow that day. It's an off day. Who knows? 
they get the schematic, they go in, they try to take it over. They're going to need the hacker because what if they're a known criminal? Then the augmentation, they can't just walk in. And even if they do, the second they get recognized by any of the people, if anyone survives or uplinks anything, they're immediately notified. Everyone's notified. Then they're going to get hunted down. So having a hacker to take things like that down, to stop things, cover their tracks a bit, is always a good thing. And so, so you could have someone who has, say, they want to be a hacker. Or they don't have a hacker and they've been buying a hacker. So that's an option that if someone is not playing anything that can hack or use anything that can be used to hack, uh, I have the option and it's like, okay, well you can, I actually did an entry level, entry level job. Uh, it's a heist on a cred stick station. There are five guards and two tellers, like two people kind of monitoring. Uh, everybody is just equipped with some, some low level energy weapons um, and this is a kind of an era where there's, there's options of, of having these more, like, I think actually, to be fully honest, I probably would take the energy weapons and those go to the government. Those go to the people who, who deal with, with the bigger matters. Uh, the other ones will have more of like the augmented, um, uh, augmented regular guns. So like they'll have an assault rifle. It'll have an augmentation chip in it, so it'll send back information and feedback from the gun. Um, maybe they have a, a whole new system in, built in from the technology that they've been, you know, inc- like the increase in technology. So they have an increase in technology. The technology allows them to shoot bullets faster, or maybe, you know, the rate of fire instead of one, it's two or three, something like that. It just it tweaks the gun just a little bit gives it a little bit more of an edge but it's still going to deal less damage than normal space fancy laser weapons yeah fancy space laser weapons are always going to deal more than likely more damage but so they go in and they try to strike this this down one of the options will be to to go hey i want i want to hire this this hacker this hacker for this criminal organization i work for I want to hire you. Can you give us the schematic layout where we need to go, how we need to do this in a structured manner? Can you take the cameras out? Can you stop their augmentation, freeze them up a little? Can you, you know, what can you do to secure us an easy in and out victory? Something that all we got to do deal with is the physical threat. We don't have to deal with a cyber threat. We don't have to deal with our faces being plastered everywhere for known cred stick like cred thieves we don't need anything like that we just want in and out with minimal casualties and then the hacker can be like yeah sure but i want 5000 cred out of this right so they all start off with like an empty 10000 cred it's like okay i can load this thing up to 10000 we'll each do that and then he'll give them a 5000 one and they'll go perfect we'll just get you 5000 as well we'll siphon this thing as much as we can and then they're going to get there, and they're going to go to the the station, and when they go to siphon it, they're going to realize there's only 30,000. There's three of them. Now they've hired this hacker. One of them's got to give up 5,000, or they have to divvy the 5,000 between the three of them, or something. So it's going to... It's going to prove to them that, yes, this is, uh, this is the way it's going to work. This is how it's going to do. Or they choose not to. 
and it's going to take longer and they're going to have that issue and I'm, I'm planning once we get a hang of the system I plan to set it so on certain heists so like cred stations that are already been wiped to most things and like say a big transport had just been there a couple hours ago took in 500,000 cred away or a couple million cred and they're like well 10,000 each you know I guess that was worth it but now you're down even a little bit more because you got to pay out the other guy as well I also plan to make it where if they strike something big or maybe on on a planet, set a timer for 25 minutes, 30 minutes. That's a response time for a triggered alarm system uh, or anything like that. They've got X amount of time. Get in, get out. And if they don't get out in time, there's going to be more hostiles outside. And now it's increased a physical threat, which they put themselves in. Maybe because they decided... I don't need this hacker to do that extra work that's going to take us longer to get through now that we don't have have this set up. Or maybe it's behind a vault door, and the vault door needs to be hacked. And the hacker has a hacking tool, and the hacking tool will only take three minutes. And they don't have to make a roll for it. But if they have a hacker who can get in, it'll still take you know maybe five or six minutes. But... You know, they got to make that roll, and they can only try four or five times. So now it brings that whole, do we want to go in without the hacker and ch- take our chances? Do we have a hacker equipped enough, like, or set up enough to be able to get into these vaults? Do we know what kind of vault it is? Can he even get into it? The hacker will always have the upper hand, but will always cost. Will always have some kind of cost that'll take away so you give them a small amount in the beginning and then you slowly build it up and with it 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 kind of creates this world in which people can can kind of create their own persona and the whole creating their own persona say you've got three people who are just running and gunning and then they realize you know man we could have earned 500,000 more dollars on that last run if we didn't need that extensive hacking job done you know we could have had someone on the team who has a hack skill who has something that can can be used to hack who has the ability to roll a decent amount to to get us where we need to go without paying this extra five hundred thousand. so then it's like all right let's see what can we do what can we do how about this character we recycle him how unless so someone's like you know i'll be the hacker then they recycle their one character, you know, maybe they do one last run, he gets gunned down. Or something. Even, you know, he just offs himself. Either way works. But then you bring in a new character. And that's the thing with the criminal thing and the shadow run thing is the the crew and the units are always interchangeable. You never need the same person. So one thing I like about that is with as I said, with the with the missing a knight. If you miss a knight, which we we have a couple, have had a couple times where someone can't make it, you know, you're deathly ill, you have to work, you, out of the blue, end up having, you know, a ridiculous amount of schoolwork or anything like that. It's all kind of like conjoined together in this whole point of, with this kind of interchangeable crew, the other two can just go and do a job. 
they can you know they can go to the dm we only have two people we still want to do missions can you run us through a couple you know less less gunman jobs can you you know nullify a couple things you know maybe you give them some side jobs maybe you're following a main storyline give them a couple side jobs maybe they secure a gatling laser for themselves for their ship maybe they go to secure a ship for themselves maybe they don't want to be riding shotgun or maybe they don't want to have to be renting a ship from their syndicate you know syndicates charging them a tax their criminal organizations charging them you know you use this but you're gonna have to pay us for it so little things like that that's the intricacy of what I like about these kind of games, and that's why I'm really gung-ho about doing this space one, because the Supernatural one, I had more of a set storyline. It was like here, 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 and here. I have an entire universe planned out here. I have planets. I have races starting to be formed. I have all these transport ships and stuff moving through. I have this whole vision of this huge, huge, huge area of people doing stuff. And then they can go in... And they can make it theirs, and they can find the way they want to do it. They can become, they can take over a syndicate, they can become a syndicate, they could do whatever they want. And then when they do that, if they get bored of that solar system, they can work towards finding a uh, warp drive, or building a warp drive, or doing what they need. But the best part is, is we can get into it, we can learn GURPS, and then they can start being technical with it. They can learn to create a character faster they can learn to create characters that are more complex uh they can learn to have specific specialties they can have all these other things we can start adding more different things so it's like you know oh we've got ultra tech we've got high tech you know i want to unearth a like a low tech rifle or something or not low tech low tech is still not even in the high tech low tech would be like swords oh but i want to wield like a a sword but i want to give it power and i want to modify it and stuff and we could start working with modifications and homebrew rules and stuff and i do enjoy working with homebrew rules every now and then it's just that little touch of personality to the to the campaign some people don't because it can get carried away and i've seen it get carried away before we've had it carried away every now and then but you live and you learn the one thing i like is you homebrew something it feels feels right uh, we had a... Oh, what was that one? I don't think we have had a homebrew race yet. But I have had a couple of things that have been homebrewed. And it just it adds the personal touch. The person feels like, alright, this is mine. This is something crafted by my design. And, you know, this makes my character feel much more... Like I'm connected much more with my character. And it allows that extra little thing. And the best part about everything is... It's just... I don't know. I like the interchangeability i like the the system so far and i'm definitely going to be updating you guys on how the system is working and how we are enjoying it and if we run into any snags i'm definitely going to probably talk about that i would have definitely planned for a different set of story like a different uh type of podcast today but i did not have as much time this week as i thought i was going to and i didn't want to rush something together for you guys so I figured sitting down and talking about the things and the thought process that has been going through my brain for the past day, day and a half now, was going to be a lot more, it definitely was not going to be as nearly as structured, and even my structured stuff is half structured, because I always go on other tangents, in the middle of my other tangents, in the middle of my other tangents, but sticking to this 
to the schedule and stuff, I do write a lot of stuff down, points, notes that I want to bring up, things that I want to mention. And when I when I don't have enough time to sit down and actually put effort into going, okay, you know, this is here, this is here, this is here, and this should carry for this long, and this should carry for this long, and I want to do a 45-minute podcast because it's, you know, it's a reasonable amount of time. You guys can listen to this anywhere and whenever you guys like, if you guys do, and it's just something that allows that whole setup to work. And when I don't have all that set up and I've got like one line on a page, there's nothing, I don't want to get into something and completely have it go south or completely just not be informative or interesting. So I've been working on trying to write it down, get it all organized. And yeah, so I'm going to attempt to have next week set up for campaign types so it'll be a kind of a bounce-off. You'll hear a couple of bounce-offs from this campaign because I do like the style of the interchangeable uh, campaign where you don't have to worry about, oh, so-and-so's not here today. What are we going to do? I like the ability to have that thing. So I'll bounce off that. I'll ban- bounce off what campaigns really mean to me and what I found in the couple in the couple of years that I have been a DM. And I will also be throwing up a lot of stuff in the form of adventures. And I want to put a little, I'm putting a little bit of research into what adventures have I looked at, read, or even run or played that I thought, yeah, you know, that was a really fun one. I want to share it. Maybe some of the stuff that I found not so good about some of the adventures and just kind of bring to light some of the other stuff in this, in this tabletop world. And yeah, that's my goal for next week. It's tentative to change because if I get busy with work or exhausted or whatever happens, then it might not be that. But I'm going to attempt to try to keep it to a decent schedule. Um, but I also don't want to just flood the... Because we're into episode 3 now. And we're two kind of DM tip talks in... And now we're at a storytelling, so I want to make it... Actually, it was the first one was more of a storytelling, wasn't it, as well? I guess it was. There were some tips there, too. Either way, there's a lot of stuff. I just want to kind of fan it out and kind of interchange how the narrative of this podcast works. Because I could talk about, like, little bits and pieces, but I do... I can run off with with things, and I do. I get sidetracked, or I run off on something for you know, 15, 20 minutes. And I'd hate to have scheduled something that I want to talk to, talk to you guys about, and then go on a 20 minute rant about how Storm King Thunder was, you know, written poorly or something like that, which in my opinion, there were a couple points where it was written poorly. So I could probably go on a rant of that. But then again, I also haven't made the best campaigns of my life either. It just felt like it was a little patchy. Anyway, anyway, see as I can as what I mean with the whole running off on on points is yes, I can get a little off topic, and certainly is a, is something that if if I do, I don't want to have something even more important overshadowed by that, and so. 
pretty much that's all I really had to talk about today is just kind of going over the new setup of this campaign, the swap in my campaign, and a little bit of the background, the story, and what I like about the the setting or the system and the setting that we're using. And definitely at the point in time that we are hitting with uh, how everyone's doing and what we're doing in our group, more than likely at some point in the near future, I will be talking about how the campaign is starting. How is it going? Right now we are doing a campaign from my my very good friend Avery, and we are doing a Pathfinder campaign, and I'm very much enjoying it. We're killing a lot of orcs, so that was a fun time. Um, nothing better than killing orcs, to be fully honest. I think I'm playing a ranger. Uh, I've seen a lot of people play a ranger. I don't really often play rangers. I usually play spellcasters. I play something that I know I'm going to do damage with. And a ranger is just not cutting it for me. I don't know. I thought it was going to be as, as exciting and entertaining. But a low level ranger is not as fun as I thought it was going to be. I know rangers can get really good. And I plan to make him really good. But I, do, I have seen seen how rangers go. And they are definitely more of a support character. And I plan to be a very good support character. It's just... Eh, I like my spellcasters. Fireballs and stuff are my, are my shit. Uh, same with when I was playing Shadowrun. I didn't play just a normal gunner. I played a mage. I played a mage troll, which is absolutely the most ridiculous setup you could probably do. And I was absolutely horrifying with him. And I barely even knew how to play the game. I remember, and I don't know if I've talked about this one on this one, but I remember... A point in time where we were using an elevator to get to another floor where we knew there were going to be hostiles. We, my guy was packing. I had bought three things of tear gas. I think it was tear gas. Yeah, it was tear gas. Three tear gas grenades. And both me and my partner, Boris, had gas masks and everything. So we put the gas masks on and I pulled the tear gas and it flooded the uh, elevator. And when the elevator doors opened, it flooded out and it choked, started choking the uh, the two guards that were on that floor. We knew that there were going to be guards on that floor. And so that's the exact reason why we tried that. And at that point, you know, there's this green misty gas, or at least that's the way I described the tear gas. Because I figure, you know, it, it just seemed like a cool uh, visual to see. And out of this misty green gas, you see this big troll stomping out, and then he lifts his hand as it engulfs in fire, and he whips a fireball at one of the one of the guards, and it's just like the the pure terror that Victor had, or at least in my mind, the pure terror that he could cause with just his stature, his abilities, and just how crazy certain scenarios could get was just, that's, that was, like, an amazing feeling. So, I plan to try to attempt to get my ranger to be in the same factor, where he is perceived as this terrifying and scary creature that he is. And, I mean, I feel like he is. He can be a very terrifying person. He is a human. He's playing a, uh... I'm playing as a human ranger, but I'm playing as an archetype of shapeshifter... And I'm taking the form of a bear. Mainly because strength. And I didn't want to have a dump stat of anything else but strength. So now when I go bear form, I can use my strength 
in certain scenarios. So it's like, maybe I get pinned. I can't get far enough away to use my bow, but I have a long sword, so now I can just go bear form and use my strength. So that's always a nice thing. I also have a composite longbow and a normal longbow. Normal longbow for when I'm not in bear form, composite longbow for when I am in, so I get that extra damage bonus based on my strength bonus. Or, well, it bases it off of how much strength you have. So if you have X amount of strength, you get X amount of bonus. That's the one you buy. And his name is Barry, because I figure, why not make it kind of cheesy and cliche and name him Barry, and he's a he can turn into a bear, all the fun stuff. But that, it seems like, it is all the time we have today. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you guys for just, in general, listening. And if you guys are on the YouTube one, watching it live or watching it, you know, afterwards, thank you guys so much for watching. If you guys do enjoy it, you know, like and share with your friends. That's definitely, would definitely be appreciated. And anyways, you guys have a wonderful and lovely day.